We're going to talk about crossing over tonight. Scripture that is we all know so well, but I think you're going to see it in a little different light tonight. I believe you're going to be so blessed, and I hope prophetically you will hear it. You'll hear it prophetically. Joshua 3, 1 through 5. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Achaia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and priests who were carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as it as the feet of the priest who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge. The water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near uh, Zarathan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priest who were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Now let me point out some things to you. You remember that 40 years earlier, the children of Israel were supernaturally delivered from Egypt from some 400 years of oppression. Our journey that should have taken actually and should have been totally completed in 14 days. It took 40 years. Because of three reasons. Because of their attitudes. Because of their complaining. And because of their hard hearts toward the Lord. Instead of a relatively quick transition to freedom in the land God had promised them, they wandered around in circles in the desert until the very last person died of those who came out of Egypt. Now, so we're talking about everybody who's 20 years old and above. They all died. So a whole generation died. Can you imagine, we've talked about it before, can you imagine being, you know, <laughs> the last person alive? And knowing that everybody was waiting on you to kill over. <laughs> you know. Wanting you to die and to die as fast as you could so they could go in the promised land. I mean, that's exactly what was going on. So it was their children 40 years later. Who finally took over the promise. And they finally crossed over the Jordan River. What an amazing thing to imagine what really happened then. Approximately one million people died in those 40 years. And so 
this generation that's getting ready to go into the land had never experienced what they were about to experience. Their parents and their grandparents had lived in the land of not enough. But this generation only knew the land of just enough. What we sometimes call the wilderness. Did you get that? Perhaps some of us have been just like the children of Israel when they had just enough manna, just enough quail, just enough water to make it, but not enough to declare that you were in the land of more than enough. And the land of milk and honey, the promised land, or the land of abundance. You had not touched it. But you were willing to stay in the land of just enough. I meet people like that all the time. And if you're honest, you do too. Well, I'm okay. It's all right. Not the best, but it's all right. I can handle it. It's okay. Well, church, this New Year's Eve, I've got some good news for you. The land of more than enough is on the horizon. And it's called heaven. It's the place of perfect and total provision of abundant joy and amazing peace. Glory to God. It's the home we're looking for. It's the home that we can anticipate, the home to which we will be taken the very moment that God the Father picks up his trumpet <laughs> and says to his son, go get your brethren and bring them home. Amen. So what happened in the natural during Joshua's time will speak prophetically to us about our deliverance that we're waiting on. The signs of the Lord's coming are everywhere. And they continue to increase. But to get there, like the children of Israel, you and I have to cross over. Something we have to do. And since we are the fig tree generation, we have the unique opportunity to be led by our Joshua, the Lord Jesus Christ, into a place that none of us have ever experienced before. And Joshua prophetically tells us how to prepare ourselves, get this one, to join the ranks of Enoch and Elijah. Amen. Now that'll make some of you think, and some of you, some of you are thinking, Enoch and Elijah, who is them? No. <laughs> They went up without dying, if you remember. Maybe you don't like to think about going up in the rapture. I do. It means I won't die. Now, if you, you know, got yourself prepared for the grave, then go for it. But you and I know that none of us will ever go out of the way of the grave anyway. There is no such thing as dead, dead. There's no such thing as anybody being in the cemetery, no matter how many flowers you put out there. And so we're not going to die. But our bodies may die. But we won't die. But Enoch 
and Elijah's body didn't die. And that's the company that we're going to join. Of course, they're going to be coming back after we leave. Just thought I'd throw that out. Joshua said it to the people, told them how to get ready. Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Another translation says it this way, consecrate yourselves. Consecration is the decision that you and I make to present ourselves to the Lord as a living sacrifice. Consecration, most of us don't like to talk about. It's a big word. It means to make holy, to set apart, to dedicate oneself to the Lord without reservation. In other words, holding nothing back at all. Now, the Lord will not force anyone to surrender, but he cannot use anyone that is unsurrendered for he will not overrule your will. He'll let you do what you want to do. So anytime you find somebody in some place they don't want to be, they got themselves there. So the point one that the Lord wants us to grab hold of, we are to be consecrated. Point two is... Go all in for Jesus. So when it was time to cross over, the Jordan was overflowing, which anybody knows is not a good time to cross the river at that time. But faith overruled, Joshua 3.13. The priests would carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touched the water, the flow of water would be cut off upstream. And the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant were ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed down to the Red Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Listen to this prophetically. Maybe insights to what we're about to face. Because we're in the time and season of the Lord's return. And it's a time that we will be crossing over relatively soon. Amen. But there are things that we may have to deal with and use our faith in order to cross over. Joshua 3.17. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. You know, we like to talk about miracles like these, but when the rivers of life are threatening to overwhelm you and me, 
Will we be all in it for Jesus? Trusting him with every fiber of our being. There's a key here to successfully pursuing the presence of God. The priest and the people had to commit to the rhythm of the Holy Spirit. They couldn't run ahead of the ark. They could not lag behind it. God told Joshua to follow a half mile behind it so that if the ark had to go to the left, Joshua could see so he could lead the people to the left. If it went to the right, he had to see so that he could anticipate the way that they were going to go. They couldn't just hurry through the situation. Did you know that God's never in a hurry? I may not know much, but I do know that. But he's always right on time. God, not, God does not run his clock by our daylight savings time. He has his own clock, evidently. And he doesn't share it with me or thee. That's why Jesus said, no man knows the day nor the hour. Now, I gave you a big hint to that statement this morning when I said, time I stood up, and New Zealand is already 2024. Big clue for those who like to say, the Bible says, oh, nobody knows the day nor the hour. Well, the Lord could say, I'm coming on the third. What third? <laughs> what third? Our third? New Zealand's third? China's third? California's third? What third? I'm coming on the third. It's really pretty clear. No one will know the day nor an hour. That's not a good one to hide behind. Too often we fall into moving ahead of God or we lag behind him. We need to be like Moses who said, if you're not moving God, then I'm not moving. The more we commit to being led by the Spirit, the less we'll find ourselves stumbling around instead of running the race. Walking to a river and flooding season before you see it, it takes faith. Before you see it part, before you see the waters do anything, that's what the priest had to do. Believing Jesus is coming in the twinkling of an eye also takes faith. As I said, it's far easier to believe in the second coming than in the rapture of the church because that's really a wild story. We're getting out of here. You won't even see me go. Hallelujah. As we close, can you identify with the following statements? Faith says, I'm getting ready to cross over. Faith says, I need to alert my family and friends about his coming, even if they scoff at me. Faith says, purify my heart, Lord, that I may come into your presence without spot or wrinkle. Faith says, Jesus is coming, and we're about to go home. Amen. It's crossover time. Get ready. Make yourself ready for the journey, the event, 
the rapture of the church, we're getting ready to leave. <laughs>